Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm a sea pig. Oh, you're a sea pig. (laughs) (laughs) Don't sell yourself short, man. Come on. (laughs) Just had to get that one out there right away. It was my favorite line of the movie. (laughs) So... The movie that we're doing right now is called The House on Sorority Road, released in 1983. I think it was remade sometime in the early aughts as Sorority Row. Yep. But we're doing the original. Now, I selected this movie for this week, and this is just a film I've always wanted to do. It has one of those that I always passed by on the video store shelves, but for whatever reason, I never never picked it up. I thought it looked uh, maybe like it wasn't so good. Uh, but it did have a picture of a nice, buxom, half-naked chick clinging to her mm-hmm. negligee on the front. The director actually wanted something way different <laughs> for the yeah. poster for yeah. the movie. Yeah, he wasn't a fan. It's actually not a very compelling poster, to be honest, which is probably why mm-hmm. I didn't pick it up. The movie itself is written and directed by Mark Rossman. I think straight out of UCLA Film School, did a little bit of work with some big directors of the time, and decided if he was going to become a director, he really just needed to write his own movie and make it himself yep and so this is kind of what launched him into a nice little career i mean he hasn't done a lot of well-known stuff but it looks like he's been a working director and writer uh, in hollywood for better for worse and a little bit of stuff on tv yeah and some stuff that you would recognize the titles of at least and and not only in horror either one of the ones that i thought was pretty funny was yeah i'm pretty sure he did like William and Kate, <laughs> like the like a, a lifetime movie about uh, Prince William and Duchess Kate, which I thought was pretty funny. That was pretty recent, so he's uh yeah he's been around. Yeah, it seemed to be a number of these things in there, like Princess, a TV, a Cinderella story. Did eleven episodes of Lizzie McGuire. Mm-hmm. Definitely a couple episodes of the Wonderful World of Disney. Apparently, this movie did some good stuff for him. I think he made it on a shoestring budget. Uh, initially, a hundred twenty-five grand investment. Uh, in the middle of filming, they got it bumped up a little bit um, because they ran out of money. And I think his brother or somebody secured a loan and got another 300000 And then even a distributor picked it up and uh, paid for some finishing costs. And so they sold it. And it had a limited release initially in New Mexico and then was released in theaters across the U.S. And made, in 1983, a nice tidy sum of $10 million. Not bad yeah. for this movie. Actually, <laughs> I'm just going to say right up front, I was kind of blown away by this movie. Oh my gosh, especially for a first movie? I was really impressed, yeah. Holy crap, right? I was really not expecting this caliber of film at all. And, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's, it's Shakespeare. I'm not saying it's Hitchcock, but it, it has elements of Hitchcock in here. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, it's dripping with it. He said, actually, that some of the inspiration for this movie came from a French film called Les Diabliques. Am I saying that right? Le, Le Diabolique? Diabolique, something Diabolique. like that. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty famous one. I think it was remade with Sharon Stone in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's a almost textbook slasher film, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it has enough little curves and twists in there to keep you in there. Although even those curves and twists are fairly textbook, aren't they? Yeah. I don't know if the movie ever completely fooled me, but it did surprise me a couple times. But it didn't have anything I haven't seen before. No. That being said... A lot of that that I've seen before has come since, so... Right, that's that's true. You know, I, I didn't really have any expectations. I've certainly heard of this movie before. I, I don't know why I hadn't seen it, especially now that I have, because it's uh, so 
right on par with so many of the other slasher movies that are much more celebrated. You know, like yes. uh, the Jamie Lee Curtis movies of the 80s, like um, Terror Train, Prom Night. Like you said, it's got some Hitchcockian stuff. There, you know, there are certainly big time shades of Psycho at points I was kind of maybe expecting maybe like a, an April Fool's Day type twist. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought that the movie did really well was it did. It kept me guessing. And mm-hmm. there were lots of red herrings that were skillfully played. You know, by about halfway through, I kind of had it figured out what was going on because there are definitely big time shades of Black Christmas going on too. Yep. So I, I kind of felt about halfway through like I had kind of figured it out, but I still wasn't entirely sure. Uh, and I really wasn't entirely sure uh, until the end. Yeah. And honestly, I think that this movie is just as good as pretty much any of those uh, except maybe Psycho that I mentioned. You know, it's 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 a perfectly competent slasher. I'm going to maybe overspeak here, but I would say it's even heads and tails above half of what you what you I mean, it's definitely better than freaking Prom Night. It's just really well done. The the filming is good, the cinematography is good, the score I loved the score. <laughs> I'm glad you said something. Yeah. I mean, you know one of those moments where you're like, I could actually have this like on my iPod. This is an amazing score in this movie. And sometimes, you know, in the past we've said, man, the score really elevates this film. In this case, it was exactly the score that a film like this deserved. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm probably going to gush all over this movie. Well, no, it's all right. I liked it, too. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to gush over it. I didn't think it was amazing, but... Uh, I was really surprised. I was surprised by how good it was. As we often say, if everything that we've said has compelled you to watch this movie, you should really stop the podcast now and go out and watch this movie. We'll probably blow the ending early. early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if if you haven't seen it and you want to, because it it's twisty, and if you don't want the twists blown, I, I don't know how we're going to be able to skirt around them until the end. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's just dive into it. The beginning is done in, I guess it's black and white. It's actually kind of hazy. Maybe that's a criticism I have of it. I think they were just went a little too hard on the gauze over the camera. But they were going for an, an old film noir look to it. Uh-huh. You know, we see these flashback scenes. This was a flashback to 1961, which would be just 20 years prior to the present day in this film, if you will. Right, right. But they filmed it almost like freaking Citizen Kane. <laughs> there are all these odd Dutch camera angles. There's shots in warped mirrors. There are these strong shadows across the scene. There's a shot of a nurse standing in a window smoking a cigarette that she's all in silhouette. That took me by surprise at the beginning. That was a really interesting choice. And not only was it an interesting choice, but they did a really good job of setting this, of of filming it that way. First time director, uh, I think even the cinematographer, this was his first feature film. It's almost kind of Citizen Kane-ish. Uh, there's this woman, she's laying in a bed, she's obviously pregnant. The doctor comes in, shoes the nurse away, gets out a scalpel, <laughs> burns it in a candle. He's going to do a, a C-section right there in the bed of this house. <laughs> right. And, uh, and this woman, yeah, gets a C-section, I guess with no anesthetic, who knows. And by the time it's done, they just have a, an exchange. Where's my baby? I'm sorry, Mrs. Slater. No. No! And this was, again, skillful, and I, I 
I hate to blow our wad right from the beginning, but it blew by me in the first place, but then when references to this scene kept coming back up, they never say... <laughs> uh, here we here we go. They never say the baby died. Yep. Now, like that was what I just assumed. You know, yeah. like that's oh god, it's t- the doctor's so sorry. She's so upset. You know, obviously she lost the baby, and that's terrible. And and, and then that's it. And then it cuts to their present day. And all this stuff, I believe it was shot in black and white. I read that it was actually the distributor. It's it's tinted blue. And I guess it was the distributor that did that, which, you know, way to take some license with you know, the film, I guess, but... Who the hell cares, right? I mean, like, I, I don't see what that added to it. <laughs> I mean, it, it works fine. It's kind of dreamlike, you know, it establishes it as a flashback. And it's really brief. And we don't get a lot of information. We just see these people. I have a feeling that maybe part of the reason that uh, it was as hazy as you said is that they were maybe trying to hide the age of the actors. Yeah. Because the same actors play the same roles 20 years later and and Don't look are supposed different. to be significantly older um, <laughs> yeah. and look significantly older. So maybe that was part of the reason that it was a little bit hazy. I don't know. But whatever, for whatever reason, yeah. it, it worked. And then it cuts to uh, just this sweeping shot, like a crane shot of this university campus, a woman in a white graduation robe running across campus and that that was when i first noticed the score is when these the the opening credits were running the title sequence was running and i i wrote it down i'm like wow this is a really good score <laughs> it's right really, here from the very beginning it's amazing it's i mean it's just sweeping and it's grand and it's gorgeous and then the cinematography is so is totally matching it it's effortlessly taking us through this obvious scenes of college wrapping up girls posing for a photograph in front of their sorority house on the it's, it's just off the quad i guess and uh, we do get a, a shot across there of many of the girls in that sorority which we're going to see later and it kind of takes us into the house and they're all kind of packing things up and they're kind of moving it around and there's these kind of long very nice dolly shots and and steady cam shots through the different rooms and as they're going it's just so nice <laughs> it, it just set the scene so well this is what made me kind of sit up and take notice of this movie at the very beginning. Okay, this might end up being different from what I expected. Richard Band is the guy who did the score, and he has basically made a life out of scoring low-budget horror movies. I mean, almost every low-budget horror movie we've done, he's scored. Like, freaking Ghoulies, Reanimator will do sometime, Troll, Terror Vision, Puppet Masters movies, all of those, Demonic Toys, and... I didn't know that he was the guy that did Troll, but you know how I feel about that movie, and I yeah. love the score in that movie, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and I mean, he's so good, And but then I think about some of these other scores, like for Puppet Master and stuff, and I'm gonna have to go back and remember what we thought of it, because I thought eventually it kind of gets into synthy, kind of standard horror-y type stuff. Maybe I'm my recollection is wrong. <laughs> it, nice weaving score, nice establishing shots, takes us in here, and uh, we get into the room where there's a woman named Katie, and she is packing things up, and her mom is there helping her pack things up, too. Well, we've just had the pool man over so you can swim all summer while you're at home. I'm not moving back home, Mom. This has nothing to do with you. I just have a lot to think about. Like what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. 
Well, I should think after four years of college, you'd have a start in those decisions. Vicky pops around the corner and says, hey, a bunch of us are going to stay for a little while longer. I think during the three months of the summer, they're going to plan to stay in the house. Is that right? No, no, no. They're, they're just going to stay for like another five days or something like that because oh, they... to do their party. To do their graduation party. And, and we don't find all this out right now, but we eventually find out that they had a graduation party planned somewhere else, but they couldn't come up with the money for the deposit or something. And so they had to postpone it. And their big idea was they're just going to have it at their sorority house. The only problem is that uh, their house mother closes up the house on June 19th every year. And then it's, it's, closed for the summer but they just kind of choose to ignore that and they're going to do it anyway that's right i wanted to say most of uh the actresses in this movie and actors but um most of our lead people are uh, these young women most of them this was their first movie and many of them this was the only thing they other did mm-hmm. some of them uh have maybe one or two other credits the exception to that is Vicky, who is played by Eileen Davidson. And you make fun of me, and I don't care. You can go ahead and make fun of me. But just, you know, recently we did <laughs> Death House. And uh, guess who's in it? <laughs> I, <laughs> one of the, the five evils from Death House was a, a chick from Days of Our Lives. And you're like, har, har, you know, Days of oh. Our Lives horror crossover. And I said, it happens more often than you would think. Well, it happens here again because <laughs> I know Eileen Davidson from Days of Our Lives. My parents watched Days of Our Lives all through their youth and growing up, and and so they continued watching it when I was a kid, so I always watched it. I watched it pretty religiously all through college. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's pretty typical as far as daytime soaps go, Um, but they would have certain storylines that would just be ridiculous and crazy. And Eileen Davidson came on that show, and, and she started out as kind of this sweet, romantic lead but then it turned out that she was like the illegitimate daughter of the biggest villain in all of days of our lives history and so and so then she became this evil character and then when i was in high school she had this storyline where it turned out that not only (laughs) was she the daughter of this bad guy but somehow she was also kind of like the genetic <laughs> I don't remember I don't remember how they justified it but when it came down to it there were 5 of her what and they were all distinctly different are you kidding me <laughs> and and she played all 5 roles four of them women one of them a man and it was just freaking hilarious and she was fantastic and she continued on in that role they only recently uh recast her and she still does daytime drama stuff and she was also a real housewife of beverly hills which i don't watch that show but um i know that she she did it so she is kind of a big name now and i had no idea that she was in this Mm. and when i saw that she was in it i was like oh my god yes Mm. Wow, wow, you had a real moment there. I did, and it's not like she's amazing in this or anything, but uh, oh man, so many connections for me. It was a it was a nice little Easter egg for me. Kate McNeil, uh, who played um, kind of, uh, our 
our, okay, we're going to say our final girl, Katie. <laughs> uh, Kate, mm-hmm. Kate McNeil also has quite a few credits to her name. She, I think she'd be about the other one. She's been all over television quite quite a bit. Oh, that's right. That's right. And then as far as movies go, she was in Monkey Shines, which we might end up doing someday. Actually, my favorite John claude Van Damme movie, and I've seen almost all of them, is uh, Sudden Death, where... Yeah. Have you seen that one where the hockey game gets Probably. invaded by terrorists? It's... It's really actually pretty good, especially for a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. She, she's, uh, she's really good in this. I, honestly, I think all of the acting in this movie was, was except for the older woman. And the sexy blonde. The sexy blonde was Oh, awful. she was horrible. That's true. <laughs> that was definitely horrible. All right, so those two. <laughs> With the exception of those two, I thought all the other acting was quite good, actually. Mm-hmm. I, they all had me convinced. And it's a real ensemble-type movie. Even though you don't get mu- much more than a taste of each of these different characters, yeah. you do actually get a sense that there's a character behind each one of them, you know, which is a little That's more than, true. than can be said for a lot of stuff that we review. The funny thing is I never knew any of their names until after they were dead because as <laughs> soon as soon as they would die, then people would be like, wait a second, uh... Where's, where's Genie? Where, where's Genie? 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 Where's Genie? Find Genie. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so I would always write down, oh, okay, another, the, the sexy blonde one died, and then I would go back and write, oh, that was uh, whatever her name was. I've got it written down. So Morgan. 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 <laughs> Morgan's a sexy. I still am not exactly sure who Stevie and Liz were. I don't know. But the names came up once or twice, yeah. So it's kind of established that she's going to hang out a little bit longer. I guess her mom just goes home. I guess. (laughs) She's going to hang out a little bit longer and party with the rest of the girls for these three days. In the meantime, we get a shot back to a hospital where there's that doctor from that flashback scene. uh, And he is talking with a nurse. And they have this kind of cryptic conversation. And then the woman who we had seen earlier who had had the baby comes into frame. And, you know, I mean, like you said, it's the same actress. And she looks about as old as she did 20 years ago. (laughs) Mm. except her hair is maybe a little wider um Mm. and again they have this sort of cryptic conversation she's going to leave the clinic against the doctor's wishes which she usually does right this time of year well all right but if you went back and watched it again which i didn't but I, i thought about it in hindsight the way that they talk about it is vague enough uh that when the big reveal happens you're like oh because the he he says something about like you're just asking for talk you've got to reconsider my mind is made up i intend to spend this summer as i've spent all the rest but the environment here is so much more helpful i told you there'll be no one else at the house it was closed for three months today i understand but anything might happen at least here we're prepared to handle it condition is getting worse. You know it as well as I do. We both knew the risks. For 20 years, you've been blaming me for what happened. You would have no reason to think that they were talking about anybody but her. Yeah. But it turns out that they're not. Mm-hmm. But it's so subtle. I never would have suspected um, what mm-hmm. was coming based on this conversation because it totally sounds like she has some issue that she has had because of this traumatic 
birth that she had, and whatever the issue is, it's getting worse, and the doctor is concerned that, that something bad is going to happen. And, and I don't think he says it to her, but at some point he says either to the, the, nurse. the nurse or somebody else, if there's any trauma at all, it will lead to a psychotic break, and it will lead to violent outbursts yep. or something like that. That's right. I think that comes a little later in, in another scene. But yeah, yeah, he, he starts talking about it here. So she is going to leave. Vicky and her boyfriend go up into a barn and have a little shootout where the boyfriend loans her his uh, gun and shows her how to shoot it. But it turns out she's already pretty good at shooting a gun. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, kind of weird. It is kind of weird. <laughs> she... Vicky from the get-go seems like just a little too headstrong, kind of yeah. bad girl, you know, which she's very much painted that way from the beginning. And then that we get to this girl's partying scene. And even this scene, I thought, was really clever in that they're all sitting around drinking and they're, you know, they all have mugs and they're singing their sorority song. And then they each kind of give a toast. And for each of them, it, each of their toasts tells a little bit about themselves in a clever way. And I thought that was really nice, a really nice touch. Uh, and then it kind of the camera spins around all of them and then toward the door where, all right, so her name was Jeannie. Jeannie, the one who pukes all the time. Uh, queasy Jeannie. So she gets up and runs <laughs> runs out to throw up uh, and runs right into uh, this woman who is Mrs. Slater. And this is where we find out that Mrs. Slater is actually the house mom, yeah, of this sorority. So, so that's a little confusing, especially considering the previous um, scene that we had, like... How can she be staying at this clinic this whole time, but also be the house mom? Well, but but she wasn't staying there. I, I think that... But that was the impression I had gotten, though. What seemed to be suggested was that she she is the house mom during the school year, but then she closes up the sorority house in the summertime, and she goes and stays in the clinic. Oh, I thought it was the opposite, that she goes and stays in the sorority house during the summertime. No, I think it's the opposite. I think that, that you know, they, they're they tricking us, you yeah. know, but that's supposedly why she closes it up on, you know, right at the very beginning of the summer is because then she has to go and stay in this clinic for the summer. That makes sense. I think somewhere in my mind I was thinking that it was the opposite because um, when all the girls were gone, she could kind of brood alone in the house and kind of mourn the possibly the loss, the loss right. of her son. And then she's really upset that the girls are there and uh, demands that they get out. But they're like, no, we're not going to do it. We don't have to. <laughs> and so they don't. She goes upstairs. And that's when I realized that the room that she lives in is the room that she was giving birth in. You know, like it yeah. was in that sorority house. Same, same place. And she also goes upstairs and kind of hangs out in the attic a little bit. And, like, the attic's kind of weird. Like <laughs> It's got little kids' toys. Yeah, it, it's kind of bizarre. It seems like, you know, that she is just tortured by her loss. And so she's kind of built this little sanctuary up in the attic for herself where she can go and be depressed or, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And everything set up in this movie has a payoff, too. And that's what's cool. Mm -hmm. Like, even as she's going through the attic, we're seeing these toys. She picks up a ball. She picks up this this toy. Like, all of this stuff that we're seeing is going to have a payoff later. So it, the movie's really tight, just giving you enough information, keeping those other things cryptic uh, to keep you kind of strung along and interested. I'm super interested. I was. I was, too. That same night, Vicky comes back from her little 
shooting gallery or whatever and with her boyfriend <laughs> she invites him up to her room which i guess is unusual i don't know if she thought that the house mother wasn't going to be there or what she didn't care maybe she uh invites him up there and it's she's like give me 10 minutes and then come up and he goes up and <laughs> she's like lounging and she's like look what daddy got his little princess and it's it's a waterbed like <laughs> look it's a sexy waterbed <laughs> Um, <laughs> funny story. I had a waterbed in college, and you would think that that would be really sexy. Really, not so much. It makes things kind of awkward. Kind of hard to get your footing. <laughs> I was just about to, que- to question, yeah, how sexy a waterbed really would be when it comes right down to it. <laughs> yeah, really like, not. Get really me not. off this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Splash, kathump, kathump. Yeah. It's no, it's it's not really great, um, but uh, and and mine was super classy too and had a mirror on the headboard. Whoa. We'll talk later. <laughs> it seems like as the years go on, Craig, we get just a little bit more information about you from college days. <laughs> so uh, she opens up her shirt and you see her boobies, and then they start getting it on or whatever. Well, Mrs. Slater hears them and comes downstairs and she carries this cane mm. this very ominous looking cane that is very pointy and sharp on on both ends yeah both ends really i guess uh, so she walks in and of course they don't see her and she raises the cane it looks like she's going to hit vicky with it because vicky's on top <laughs> but she she brings it down and instead of i don't know i don't know if she was going to hit her with it i don't think so no. but like they they roll away and instead she just totally slices open the waterbed yeah water everywhere and and let's talk about for a second how good the scene is because it's preceded by a vignette of her ripping up the sorority girls's um photos yeah and tossing them into a fire and one of the last things she does is bring that sharp pointed cane down on to shatter a picture right where vicky is right just coincidental i guess but um it, it makes it seem like she's out to kill vicky and then this is a very well staged back and forth kind of psycho-esque bit here but at the same time kind of in the back of my mind i'm thinking it can't happen like like it's too obvious that the mom i mean is this just going to be a movie about the house mother that we already know from the first you know 15 minutes is just going to go around killing everybody it can't be that way and i wondered why doesn't she like vicky and and you know it was one of those you know when it boils right down to it vicky's a bitch so yeah, <laughs> there doesn't need to be much more motive than that. But, you know, I'm wondering and I'm like, is Vicky somehow connected to her personal tragedy? Mm-hmm. Is Vicky maybe her baby? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know, you know, what was going on. It's really good. But the fact that Mrs. Slater popped her brand new waterbed really pisses Vicky off. So she's complaining about it the next day with uh, the other girls. They're down by the pool. The pool's all gross because Miss Slater won't pay anybody to clean it, so they can't even swim in or anything. But they're all hanging around down there, and Vicky says, we got to get her back. Well, how about if we give her a good old-fashioned sorority prank? Huh? All right. Yeah, that's a good idea. What? Are you kidding? Like what? Wait a minute. Let me think. 
How about we TP her room? No, no, no. no hey, no. how about the old dog shit in the paper bag room? No, we don't like freshman that. Year. No. No. How about a bucket of water over a door? So when she comes in, she gets it. Tomorrow night, we could shortchange her bed. No, 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 no. I got a great one. Let's spread glue on her toilet seat. Got it. <laughs> Perfect. Let's short sheet her bed. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sandra D. from the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> Vicky's like, no, I have an idea. We'll do it right before the party. And then pretty much nothing else happens before we see them preparing for the party. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're they're decorating and they're all... You know, looking pretty and and whatnot. And Mrs. Slater wakes up and her cane, which she keeps by her bed, is gone. So she goes down to confront them and she yells at them for decorating, tells them to take everything down. And Vicky says, oh, you seem to be missing something. Now, real quick, there's a little scene before that happens that's kind of important. I think it was well placed. We get back to the doctor's office and he's he's examining x-rays of of a brain and it's the woman's brain. And that's when he says into his tape recorder, basically saying Slater could go psychotic, has latent violence that could be triggered by a traumatic episode. Again, we assume that he's talking about her and then this is happening. So we've got it kind of in the back of our mind that whatever they're doing to her, whatever they're playing to do to her could possibly trigger something Right? So there's that ass, that layer to it as well. Exactly. Vicky says to her, oh, it seems like you're missing something. And um, Mrs. Slater's like, where is it? And she's like, well, why don't you go to look down by the pool? So the old lady goes down by the pool and all the girls follow her. And the cane is floating on like a tire in the middle of the pool. And Vicky's like, why don't you go get it? Now, this is the prank. It is the worst prank ever yeah it's awful it's terrible this was God, like <laughs> what are you thinking like Psychotic. this is such a terror okay so uh she's like why don't you go get the cane and and she's like no i'm not going to so then vicky whips out the gun dirty harry style and points it right at her face and she's like go get it and i'm thinking oh, okay well you know it, it's a squirt gun or or something or whatever but no she immediately proves that it's a real gun by shooting out a light which you know encourages mrs slater to get into the pool and somehow really super fast get in the pool get out with her cane well what happens is the other girls are freaking out they're like oh come on vicky this is going too far come on stop vicky right. and one girl rushes at vicky and she spins around and shoots her in the leg she falls down and you could see she's got a, a wound in her in her ankle and everybody's like oh my god you just shot her and she's like don't worry she's fine and points the gun back at slater and at this point you're like what in the hell right this is the weirdest thing in the world but yeah you're right she comes out of the pool what happens? She slices somebody. She takes a swipe at somebody with her cane. I don't remember who she hit, and I don't even think she necessarily wounded anybody. I think maybe she just sliced open somebody's shirt or something. But for whatever reason, I guess that freaked Vicky out, so Vicky shot her again. Like, yeah. And, like, this time, I guess, really shot her? And she fell in the water, and, like, they jump in and grab her and pull her out and take her pulse and stuff, and they're like, she's dead. And this, kids, is why we don't play pranks with guns, Vicky. Oh like, come on. This is... this. Something horrible is bound to happen. It's a stupid thing. But this is so Christopher Pike. It's like a Lois Duncan novel. Very much. It's so it's yes. like I know what you did last summer. It's like so yes. and I just thought it was delicious, you know, just this prank right. gone wrong. And I'm like, 
oh man, we're going to get this kind of movie now, right? And it is. They're not just victims here. They're like culpable in doing this. And so it it just became even 10 times more interesting for me. (laughs) Yeah. At some point, it's revealed that the other girls, apparently all except for Katie, were in on it. They knew what was going on. Yeah. That, like, the girl who got shot didn't even really get shot. Like, it was all just a ruse. Mm-hmm. But Mrs. Slater getting shot was not part of the plan. She's dead, or they think she is. And then, you know, again, it's that very much I know what you did last summer, Katie, the good one, who you know is going to be the final girl because she's the only one with any sense. Yeah. Um, she's like, oh, my God, we have to call an ambulance. And they're like, no, we can't. Our lives will be ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like, oh, okay, so what should we do? So, well, the, oh, 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 the band's here. The party's <laughs> getting ready to start. So, uh, somebody go distract the band. She tells, I think she tells the slutty blonde one to run and, and, uh, distract the band. And the slutty blonde one just kind of slowly gets up and like saunters away. <laughs> like she's not concerned at all. Um, But anyway, so they wrap her up in some towels, tie her up in some towels, and throw her in the pool. Now, as soon as they throw her in the pool, they all turn and run back into the house. And then the body floats back up to the top. And because they turned and ran away so quickly, I thought that it would be perfectly plausible that she wasn't really dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And she got herself out of the pool mm-hmm. because she would have had time. She wasn't in the pool that long. Yeah. It's not like she was underwater for a long time. And we get a nice little bit of underwater photography in the as it sinks to the bottom and then floats to the top. I mean, what a nice little touch. And this is, by the way, this is a gross pool. This is like green through and through. You Like you can't see the bottom of it. That's why tossing her in the pool was their way that they were just going to temporarily get rid of the body until after the party and then they could deal with it. So, but that has to be said. I don't know why people keep coming back to this nasty ass pool throughout the movie because why you would want to jump into this thing for any reason is totally beyond me (laughs) i don't know yeah it's gross but anyway so so then they have their party and like at first because all of these girls kind of look alike like i didn't even really you know I, I could barely distinguish between them. And at first, you know, they're showing the scenes of this party, and I thought that it was all of our girls who we know just partying and having a good time. Like, Nothing well, happened. <laughs> like, wow, they got over that awfully quick. Well, as it turns out, that's not true, because then there's a, a really nice shot later yeah. um, yes. that pans through the party to each one of our girls who we know, and they are all clearly distraught and distracted and um, don't know what to do. That was so nice. That was a great shot, just like you said. And again, just another layer here of reality that we don't, again, we don't often get in these horror movies. Like, I can't remember what that movie was. I think it was Bloody New Year, where it was like somebody would get killed, and then like the next scene, like everybody's just drinking and hanging out again, (laughs) like like nothing had happened. (laughs) But it was really important to this movie that everybody was still extremely uncomfortable, and I think it helps build that tension. And you constantly have Katie through this, who's jumping in at the moments where they have to regroup and rethink things, who's like, look, this is insane. Like, we got to stop this. We got to call the cops. And for one reason or another, it, it doesn't happen. That hooked me. You know, it really did hook me because I think I was just putting myself there like, my God, you do some really dumbass things when you're a college student. You know, um, it could happen, you know, and yeah. uh, and this is exactly how I would feel. I, I wouldn't be able to enjoy the rest of my life. 
you know, let alone right. this party. <laughs> right? right. So uh, it was good. Uh, the reality of it, I think, was was really refreshing and, and well played. We also see at some point right around here that either she got out of the pool or someone got her out. And and that that's what I wrote down because that's what I was thinking. Either she got out or someone got her out. I wasn't sure. But we see somebody like wringing out the towels and, and whatnot. And some drunk guy walks down there and uh, gets stabbed through the neck with the cane. It's practical. I mean, you know, the the impact itself is clearly with a dummy yeah, but i mean good. it looks it still looks pretty good it's i mean okay. i appreciate a good practical effect yeah um but but it was clearly real you know because again at this point and even a little i don't know maybe not much further into it but at this point i was also thinking again red herring maybe this is all just a trick on katie because she's the naive one and because she was the only one who wasn't in on the whole gunplay Mm. deal um i thought maybe maybe nobody's really going to die maybe it's going to look like they are and then it's going to be again spoiler alert if you haven't seen april fool's day everybody jumps out at the end ha it was just a big joke on you yeah um but but this guy gets killed, and it, it looks like he really gets killed. So yeah. I guess I let that theory go. And then this guy shows up looking for Kate. Vicky has set her up on a blind date with this guy named Peter. And poor Peter, he's this <laughs> nice guy, and he really just kind of chases her around the party through the whole movie. And I won't, I'm not going to have a whole lot to say about him because he doesn't play a huge role except for, again... I thought that he was a good red herring. Mm-hmm. There were several times throughout the movie I thought, maybe it's Peter. Maybe Peter is Miss Slater's lost son. Yeah. Turns out it's not. But but I really thought it might be, you know, up almost until the very end. Well, the party's kind of going on, and, um, you know, Peter has found her upstairs. She's kind of distraught, but she's kind of trying to play it off a little bit, and finally she's like, no, 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 that's okay. But he kind of disappears. Um, and then uh, they notice, I think it's after this scene that you had mentioned earlier about that, that pans across them. They're all look, just standing there not enjoying the party. They notice there's some commotion down by the pool and there are two guys who are like swinging a girl like they're going to toss her in. So they all run down there to stop that from happening. Uh, and once they all leave, uh, the girls look at each other and like, what if somebody turns the pool lights on? That's going to reveal the body. Stevie decides that she's going to go into the basement slash boiler room and uh, pull out the the fuse uh, so that nobody can do that. So, you know, this movie, we've gotten the attic scene. Of course, we had to have a basement boiler scene. And while she's down there, there's clearly some eyes looking at her from behind a slated like door that's put up against the wall. And it looks an awful lot like Slater, mm-hmm. um, the woman. I mean, it looks very much like her, so much that I thought, geez, maybe it is her then, you know, who came mm-hmm. out of it. And again, really suspenseful, well-staged scene. Reminded me a little bit of Black Christmas, reminded me a little bit of Hitchcock. <laughs> There's the ball. 
<laughs> that yeah, rolls from, across yeah, the floor. That, <laughs> that she... And I, I was thinking that a troll was going to dr- jump out of her. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> she picks up the ball, and then as she looks up, like the, the now the light bulb is swinging at the other end. Somebody's disturbed the light bulb, and she goes over the light bulb, and then we get another murder scene of her, but it's all in silhouette. And she's clearly, again, getting stabbed with a cane, like first couple times in the chest and then right in the mouth but again all all in shadow so uh yeah and the the cane is the primary weapon uh throughout the movie and this is a wicked cane it can slice and dice and all kinds of things (laughs) and then they have like a snowball dance or whatever it's just distraction or whatever and then these random scenes, the, these three guys in tidy whities <laughs> are down by the pool. I guess they're going to take a swim. Like you said, why? Like, the pool's gross. Like, are you really that desperate to swim that you're going to jump in this gross? Um, and one of them's this big guy, and uh, one of the other guys pushes him in, and that's, <laughs> I'm a sea pig. Um, he comes up and says it, and it's so funny. And then for, somehow the pool lights come on. And the girls are, I don't know how they know the pool lights come on, but they do. And so, again, everybody runs down to the pool. And there's that guy, like, his friends have just abandoned him. And he's just, like, floating there in the pool. And they're, like, looking at him. And he just looks at them. I'm a sea pig! (laughs) (laughs) But they see that the body is obviously not in the water. And so they're convinced that Miss Slater must be alive, that she had gotten out somehow and it's actually a weird kind of logic and it doesn't make a lot of sense because they kind of go back and forth and it almost seems like they don't really know what to think they're just trying to keep katie from calling the police yeah so on one hand they have this meeting in the kitchen uh and again katie wants to call the police and the first thing they kind of start out saying is oh my god she's alive like we threw her in the pool and she wasn't she wasn't dead and now she's gotten out and then they're like yeah but if she was alive wouldn't she have already called the police so then that must mean maybe she's not alive but then they sort of decide that they need to go out and find her I don't know. Are they looking for her body? Vicky says, I don't know where she comes up with this logic. Vicky's like, well, she must have been alive when she got out, but then she must have dropped dead somewhere else. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Whatever. It makes no sense. It just gives them all an excuse to disperse Mm -hmm. and keep, again, uh, Katie from calling the cops. Uh, And they do. And so then it becomes very much what you would expect. They have all dispersed to these different areas. And then we start getting picked off one by one. But it's also, again, it's just all so well shot. And it's so compelling and interesting. I, I just... I was way more involved in this movie than I am in a lot of these slasher movies that we do. True. And I thought, what about that band, huh? What did you think of the band? I mean, they were fine. We got like <laughs> we got like five or six like solid songs out of them. It seemed like the band might have been... They all sounded the same to me. I, I just felt like they were playing the same song over <laughs> But it over seemed again. like the band was angling for, for getting the, half their album out in the movie because it seemed like sometimes the only reason we cut back to the party scene was so that we could hear like, you know, about five bars of whatever they were playing. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, at this point, they, they again, they do. They just keep finding reasons to either peel off from one another or somebody will send somebody else off on their own. Oh, why don't you go do this? Like, why don't you go get the car? Or why don't you go check something? And like, at this point, they send Morgan, the sexy blonde one, to uh, clean out Slater's closet so that 
when she comes up missing, they'll just think she left. And while she's in there, a body wrapped up in towels, so supposedly Slater's body, falls on her. And she's fine, but she's freaked out, so she runs back to her room and takes her top off so we get to see her boobs for a second. And then she hears, like, some music or whatever outside her door, so she opens up her door and she finds this jack-in-the-box again from the Mm -hmm. attic. And then she, too, is impaled from behind. Good effect. Yeah, I mean, it's good, but... At this point, it didn't feel redundant watching it. In fact, I was impressed that the movie really kept moving. It never dragged. Like, it, it, it something was always happening. Um, it, it never got boring. But to just kind of, and then so-and-so ran off and got killed. And yeah. then so-and-so ran off and got killed. I mean, that's that's pretty much what happens. At some point, the girls, whichever ones of them are left, with Vicky as the leader, put Slater's body in a dumpster to move her to the garage so they can drive her somewhere. Stupidest idea ever. They end up kind of pushing the dumpster down the driveway or down the street or something, and they bump right into a police car that I guess had pulled up at that moment. It's a little awkward, but again, there's more of this tension, like, okay, you've just put a body in a dumpster, which is where all bodies end up. So, (laughs) you know, the cop comes out of the car, and he's like, what are you girls doing pushing this dumpster? And he starts to interrogate them, and he even starts to go over and lift it up, uh, but then a call comes over the radio at the last second, and so he goes back to the radio, and he kind of disappears. So, like, there's some nice little moments here, I think, of tension. um, Tension. That are Mm -hmm. cool. Like you said, it keeps moving. There's always something interesting happening and then i don't know like diane decides to go hang out in a van oh well she's going to like get the van to like pull it out of the garage or something so that they can put that's like their getaway car or whatever. Oh. and she gets killed in there the important thing that we can't fail to mention is that for some reason katie ends up in the attic yes she looks around and she finds all this weird stuff and like all these toys and there's definitely like a clown theme and she finds like a a jester's costume like hanging on the wall and she also finds a birthday card that says something like happy birthday eric love mother Mm -hmm. and that's important and then again a great you know red herring peter who's drunk at this point joins her in the attic he's just trying to flirt but like he sees these toys and he sits down on like this little kid riding toys and he's scooting around on it and he says this used to be one of my favorite things and i'm like what Mm. like like just these little like innocuous lines like i thought how could that have been one of your favorite things is this your attic (laughs) um but but that's good you know i feel like that's good writing it's the natural thing to say you know it it it's fine. It doesn't end up amounting to anything, but it's a good, you know, it, it diverts your attention. Yeah, for sure. Then, like you said, Diane gets killed in the van. Um, Jeannie goes looking for Diane, and she gets attacked, but she runs back home at, at where she finds Katie. And so now Katie knows that people are being attacked, but, of course, she leaves Jeannie alone to go call the police or something and Jeannie gets chased upstairs to the bathroom and gets killed in the bathroom like she's hiding in a stall and somehow the killer 
opens the latch from the outside. That's not how bathroom stalls no, work. It's it's all a little weird. <laughs> that sequence again, it's your classic person's trapped in a bathroom and somehow there are showers in there too. I don't know. I, I didn't quite figure out the whole layout of that whole place. I mean they I think they filmed that in a totally different place and it's pretty obvious because here this is this nice little sorority house and they have this um this shared bathroom that looks like a locker, you know, it's like cement, it's like concrete block walls and stuff like that in there and like proper stalls and it's a little bit bigger than should be. But uh, yeah, so she gets killed. I think she gets stabbed with the, with the knife she's holding, doesn't she? Like in the neck. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty gross. But again, it's not close up. It's more splatter on the wall. So then Diane, Katie, finds Katie the, yeah. Katie finds the tag. Yeah, the which we failed to mention. Yeah, we didn't mention that. The doctor had given uh, the the house mother uh, a new tag, he said, and like a like medical, medical tag. Alert. Yeah. And it had a number on it. And so Katie decides to run inside and call that number. And he gets the doctor. And the doctor says, oh, I'll be right there. So he shows up. And then uh, he goes up and has a nice little exposition in the attic. Yep. He tells us the information some of the information uh, that we need to hear. Slater wanted to have a baby, but she couldn't. And so he was doing this experimental thing and he was doing these experimental drugs. And um, he tried it with a whole series of women and she was the last one. And something went wrong. Something went wrong with all of them. That's basically all he says. And she's like, but I don't get it because I found this birthday card. And the doctor says, oh, well... She celebrated his birthday on June 19th every year as as though she had a normal, loving son. Mm-hmm. And again, he doesn't say as though the son were still alive. They're so – it's just so – I thought it was so clever that never, ever, ever do they say that the son died. Yep. You just assume that. It seems like the most logical answer. And And honestly, at this point – I was actually convinced there was a son, and when the doctor showed up and explained this in this way, I thought, oh, I guess there isn't a son. I mean, I guess he really did die because the doctor surely would have revealed her son's still alive in some way. And again, he was just clever enough to not quite say that, and I didn't pick up on that, you know, honestly. Right. So now I'm thinking, okay, well then who could it be if it's not... A living son. So, yeah. So, then they, anyway, uh, I think it's the doctor finally calls the cops. Well, they, they find the bodies in the pool. Yeah. Oh, so they know, yeah. They run. They down. know some of the girls are dead. And then he asks her, where are the others? And they say, oh, they're in the cemetery. I, I missed that part where they had told her that they were going to take the body to the cemetery. I did, too. But the next shot is Vicky and uh, I don't remember who else. Liz? That might be Liz. Know. Vicky and Liz are digging a hole in the cemetery. So what? Were they going to just take this body and give it a proper burial or something? Like no. find an empty plot, dig a fresh grave, and throw the body in and cover well, it up? Their, ah. plan, their plan was it was an empty grave. They were just going to dig down a couple more feet, throw the body and cover it up, and then somebody else would get buried over her. Okay, all right, I got it. So Liz uh, gets goes to the van to get something, and she sits in the front seat, and from behind, pretty brutal throat slash, again with the pointy end of the cane across her neck. Vicky comes over there and sees it. She gets hacked as well. By the time Kate and the doctor show up, uh, they find the, the two bodies that have been tossed into the pit. And in the way over, Kate actually tells the doctor the whole story. Because the doctor keeps asking, well, where's Mrs. Slater? Where's Mrs. Slater? We need to find Mrs. Slater. And she's just been kind of avoiding the topic. At this point, she tells the doctor everything that Mrs. Slater is now dead and that they killed her. They were trying to hide her body. 
blah, 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 blah. And they thought that they had her body, but Mm -hmm. uh, Kate says she must have replaced the body with one of the other girls. But then they check it, and dun, 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 it is Slater. She is dead. That's when the doctor goes, he's alive. This came out of left field to me, uh, that he drove her back. And and the th- first thing that I was thinking about at this moment, like next scene, he's in the van driving her back. And I'm thinking, where are the cops? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. they were supposed to meet at the cemetery. And like two seconds after I thought it, Kate turns to the doctor and says, where are the cops? And the doctor grabs her arm and jams a syringe in it. I was not expecting that. So he clearly didn't call the cops. And right. now the doctor takes this half-drugged Kate into the sorority house. Now... By now, the party is conveniently dispersed. Mm-hmm. So it's just a big empty house. He starts locking all the doors, drags her down to the to the downstairs where there is a like a living room that faces the pool with some French doors. And so he opens the French doors, sits her on a chair right in front of those French doors facing the pool. Immediately, I'm thinking scream, by the way. I know it did seem like that. But the funny thing is, it wasn't facing the pool. This is it so wasn't? no, this is so weird basically the exposition that he tells her is these kids were all born with deformities and i don't know why he didn't know that this kid eric was still alive but apparently he didn't but he says you're the last of your friends so you're the bait now the reason that you thought that it faced the pool is because kate starts hallucinating Mm -hmm. And if if you look, when it's not from her perspective, it just opens up into another room with a bunch of furniture. Really? But she's yeah, but she sees it as though it's like a veranda, and she has these really trippy hallucinations of Mrs. Slater and the cane like spinning, and all of her friends all dead and gory. And it's really choppy and weird cut frames, and like then they all walk away. I I thought it was great. I loved the hallucination scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it also kind of establishes that this girl's almost completely helpless now. Like, no matter what's going to go on here, she's not going to be able to tell reality from fiction. I thought, you know, she would end up kind of stabbing the wrong person or something would happen here. Uh Um, What kind of turns out is Peter, who we haven't seen for a long while. Poor Mopey Peter comes walking in, and the doctor, who was hiding around the corner waiting for the kid, Eric, jumps out, and uh, did he shoot at him? He sh- he shot him. Uh, in the arm. In, yeah. So he immediately has to go down and tend to Peter with his back to it. In the meantime, she gets up and sneaks away uh, and starts running uh, away. So it gets very Hitchcockian at this point. She's running around through the house. The doctor gets up, and he gets stabbed in the hallway. On the stairwell... Yeah. And he goes over the banister. When Katie comes out, she comes and looks over the banister and she sees his body down there and there's somebody standing over him and that person looks up and it's the only time, really, that we see Eric. And he is kind of this deformed Jason Voorhees kind of looking castle freak kind of looking guy. And there's a bit of Halloween here, right? Like just his demeanor. He just kind of looks up. Yeah. He's just kind of that stalking presence. And so he chases her upstairs. And of course, she runs to Vicky's room, super smart, and gets Vicky's gun. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back out to shoot him. 
but the gun jams, and so she runs again, she ends up in the bathroom, she sees that one girl's head in the toilet, and somehow, you know, chasey, 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 somehow they end up in the attic, or she ends up in the attic, and she tries to lure him up the stairs with the jack-in-the-box, the the music box. Mm -hmm. And she's standing waiting for him to come up the stairs, you know, with the gun pointed, you know, ready to shoot him. But she's standing right next to that jester costume, and I knew immediately he's in it. Like, (laughs) he's in that costume. But again, she's hallucinating, she's seeing weird things, um, but then slowly we see the head of the jester start to rise and then he raises up the cane but she notices right at the you know last second and she jumps out of the way and they struggle this part was really weird to me i don't even know how she thought of this but she picks up a doll i guess yeah. and rips off its head and underneath its head is like a spike <laughs> yeah like a railroad spike like, like this huge spike <laughs> Like this kid's doll, you know, the doll was popped on the the neck by a spike. (laughs) Yeah. So she stabs him with it multiple times, and he's, like, grunting. He never says anything. No. And he's still in costume, yeah, so we don't even see his face. Uh Uh-huh. He's grunting, and and she stabs and stabs and stabs a bunch of times. And eventually she throws him off her down through the attic door, And he lands at the bottom of the attic stairs, and she kind of just collapses. And that's, you know, where it appears to be over. But of course, you know, the camera zooms in on his face, and the last thing that we see before the credit rolls is his eyes open. Did you read about the alternate endings? I did, I did. There was an alternate ending where she was, uh, the last shot was going to be her floating in the pool. Like, he eventually killed her. Like, the cops were going to find, you know, all this carnage, and they found somebody in the jester costume floating in the pool, but when they pulled it out, it was her. Yeah. Another one, supposedly, was that the last shot was going to be her in a hospital being pushed down the hall in a wheelchair and then the camera panned up and the orderly pushing her was going to be him but somebody i don't remember who it was somebody made the decision that both of those endings were too bleak so they just cut it with him opening his eyes which uh, i think is fine it's still pretty bleak it's kind of a black christmas ending because you get the sense in the attic that she's so tired that she kind of passes out right and then the next shot is him downstairs opening his eyes and so i was really left with the impression that she's not going to live through this either Right, right. I did, me too. Yeah, so it's still kind of bleak. I guess not as bleak. <laughs> you can hope that maybe she wakes up just in time and dispatches him. So it ended up being very Black Christmas and that this yeah. weird, freaky guy was living in the attic the whole time and well, they didn't know it. Do you think he was living in the attic the whole time? Yes. I, I no. Because I, he, I think that he was because it wasn't when the doctor was saying we need to do this clinic stay – He was talking about the kid. The kid needed to come for the summer to be observed and treated. Now, that doesn't make any sense. It would make much more sense if he was in the clinic during the school year and then went home for the summer. That would make much more sense. Well, see, that's where I was confused. I really thought it was the opposite. And so I thought the kid was in the clinic the whole time and that he would let her and the kid go 
because she had kind of threatened him uh, back to the house for the summer. And so then while they were gone, you know, he was kind of, you know, going through all of his stuff and going, yeah, this is this is going to be a problem. Well, that does make more sense. So maybe I misunderstood it. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe maybe I got to go back and read the Wikipedia summary or something like that. I don't know, but uh it was it also, you know, very psycho in you know because uh before mm-hmm. he was in the jester costume, most of the murders that he committed, he was dressed as his mother. Yeah. He had a wig on like his mom. So, you know, shades of all of these different movies, but it didn't feel like a cheap rip-off. No. It felt like, you know, kind of homage in some ways and and it was put together in clever ways that it didn't it I wouldn't say it felt entirely fresh but it didn't feel just like cut and paste either no and I just can't believe that this was this guy's first writing credit and first directing credit that speaks a lot to uh, his talent I think in the end I thought it was if if you like you know, 80s slashers, and you haven't seen this one like I hadn't, run out and find it. You can rent it on YouTube. That's what I did. Because uh, I don't understand why it's not more widely known. That's what I don't get. It's just as good, if not better, than a lot of them. Oh, it's way better than a lot of them. Again, I'd put it on the level of Halloween, Black Christmas. Like you said, even though... Yeah, even though it it pulls, it clearly pulls from some of those that came before it. They didn't come too far before it. Uh-uh. Nobody hurts anybody for like um, homaging Hitchcock. Mm-mm. You know, you see it in a lot of stuff. It's generally a smart thing to do, mm-hmm. and he does it really, really well in this film. It is kind of like watching a Hitchcock movie in many ways, and. Also, the moral ambiguity of it. One of the things that's kind of great about a lot of Hitchcock movies is that sometimes that victim is not entirely clean, you know? Yeah, right. And in this case, it's it's great. It's like, again, it's like I know what you did last summer. Like, Definitely. all these girls did something terrible, and so it's being revisited upon them. And that just gives you a certain... You know, it's just not innocent campers getting hacked hacked to right. bits. It just makes this a more interesting film. And guessing all the way through. God. Yeah, man. I would. De- I would. I would definitely recommend this. Go. Go out. It, it, it's worth the three bucks to uh, rent it on YouTube. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. You can find us, of course, as always, on Facebook. Just search for Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Find us in your favorite podcasting service or software. We're there, too. Leave us a review if you like our podcast. We'd certainly love to see more of those. And also just leave us a comment, either on our website, twoguys.red40net.com, where you can uh, find all of our past episodes streamed. Leave us a comment there. Let us know if, if there's anything you want us to do in the future. Until then, I'm Todd. And I'm Chris. With two guys and a chainsaw.